0: St. Thomas Aquinas. So, what shall I say? All All I have have to have to say, thank you, Lord. What shall I say unto the Lord? All I have to say Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord Thank you Lord All I have to say Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord Thank you Lord. All I have to say, thank you Lord. Amen. So indeed, um, all I have to say after 20 years of ordination is thank you Lord. Um, And with that also to say thank you to all of you Uh, faithful who have accompanied me and indeed all my mates for these last 20 years. I'm very clear in my mind, very, very clear in my mind that for a priest without the
1: faithful supporting us, praying for us, and even expecting of us to be faithful to our calling, we're lost. There's nothing we can do. So I want to say thank you and I just want to ask you to continue to pray for me and my nine other classmates. I think since we were ordained in 2002, our record of 10 priests ordained for Accra has still not been broken.
0: Except that I think it will be broken very soon. I think next year or so, we're expecting 11 priests to be ordained for the Archdiocese of Accra. And in a few years, about 16. So God is good. God is good.
1: So beloved, let's thank the Lord again for all that he does. And as you do, I, like I said at the beginning of the Mass, do pray for my brother, Father Joshua. He will be 25 very, very soon. And that one we shall celebrate big time. We shall
0: celebrate big time.
1: Beloved, today is the third Sunday of the season of Advent. And you can see me in this, and Father Joshua of course, in this unusual apparel, which is the rose or the pink color. Now, the priests in the 365 days of the year will wear this color only twice, only twice in the whole year. The first time will be during the season of Advent. The third Sunday of Advent, which I mentioned at the beginning of the Mass, is the Gaudete Sunday. Gaudete meaning rejoice. So it's the Sunday of great joy. The other Sunday on which he will wear this is on the fourth Sunday of Lent, which is the Letare Sunday. Same thing, it means rejoice. And what is happening is that On this Sunday, even as we've been going through the season of Advent in our purple or violet color, which symbolizes penitence, repentance, conversion, metanoia, changing our ways to get close to the Lord, we are so close, so close to Christmas that the joy of the white of Christmas has begun to mix with the purple to give a lighter tone. So it is because we are so much anticipating the coming of Christ which is so close now that the prophet is calling on us that the readings are calling on us that the church is calling on us to rejoice. So as it were, the light of the coming of Christ has begun to break into the darkness of our lives. And that is what is causing us to be joyful. And so on this Sunday... Um, the theme actually for this Sunday is Gaudete, which is an imperative, rejoice, be filled with joy. Why? Because the coming of the Lord is so close, because our deliverance is close at hand. So that's the meaning. And the same thing happens um, on the fourth Sunday of Lent, the Sunday, because then Easter would be so close that it's calling on us to rejoice, even in the season of Lent. So that is the theme we're supposed to be reflecting on. Now, let me go with you into our first reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 35. That's where we're taking our first reading from, Isaiah chapter 35. And the reading in Isaiah is giving a picture of situations in in which someone is rejoicing or people are rejoicing. It's quite an unusual text. The first thing he says is, let the wilderness, or if you like the Eremos, the desert, let the desert, the midvah, let it rejoice. That's the first thing he says. Okay? Let the wilderness, let the steppe, let the dry land break forth with joy. Then the second thing he says is that, let the poor, let the lame, let the blind, let the deaf rejoice. And then he says that we should rejoice because the retribution and the vengeance of our Lord is closed. So three things that he says. Now, the three things are the most unusual circumstances in which you can ask somebody to rejoice. People don't rejoice in their desert. In a desert where there's no water, where there's no food, where there's no shelter if they ask you to rejoice, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like the normal thing that happens. So that's a challenge. So the locus for joy usually should be in the place where there is water and everything. But the word of God says that in the desert, we should rejoice. I don't know how many of you are in a desert. But if you are receiving A Santo haircut. (laughs) And they say you should rejoice. (laughs) It's not easy. The ground in Ghana right now is very hard. So, this is the message appropriate to our situation. We should rejoice. In this circumstance, we should rejoice. Number two, it says that the poor, the blind, the lame. So you see, the first has to do with where should we rejoice. It says even in the desert. So no matter where you are, in which locus, in which position you are, rejoice. Number two, it says even the poor. No matter who you are, you are poor, you are lame, you are blind. There's no exception in terms of who the person is. Rejoice all the same. Number three. It says, even though it is the day of vengeance and the day of retribution of the Lord rejoice that time might not be favorable. There are people who rejoiced a lot when they were young but when they are old and the arthritis that's not exactly the time you want to rejoice so you see that there are three things that are often a challenge to joy in our lives, number one it could be the locus where you are number two it could be your personal situation that militates against joy could be the job you are in. It could be the health condition in which you are in. And so on and so forth. And number three, it says, the time. But God's word to us says that no matter the circumstance and no matter the situation, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what condition you're in, no matter what time of your life it is, God's word to you is rejoice. Rejoice. So we shall rejoice.
0: Amen. We shall rejoice.
1: And beloved, I want to suggest to you that as I was reflecting on these readings which are calling us to joy, I it drew my attention to John the Baptist. You know that over the past few weeks I have been teaching about John. I told you that in the season of Advent there are four people that are given to us as an example that we should study. So one of the people is Isaiah, John the Baptist himself, Joseph and Mary. But today again the readings are centered on John the Baptist. And last Sunday they were talking about John the Baptist. And you see, the situation in which we're reading about John is that it's a situation in which he didn't have much joy. In fact, the Word of God says that John was in prison. We're reading from Matthew chapter 11. The circumstances in which John was were circumstances that made him not exactly happy. The Word of God says that he sends his disciples to go and ask Jesus, Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we wait for another person? Even John, the prophet, there was a time that he was down. He wasn't seeing the way forward. He was in prison. Herod had put him into prison. Why? For speaking the truth. John was languishing in prison and he was expecting the Messiah to come and deliver him. And the Messiah was not coming. The Word of God says he sent the disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one that is to come? Or do I have to remain in this situation in which I am? And what I'm suggesting to you that uh, what I'm suggesting to you is that in in the life of everyone and every Christian, there is at least one situation that kills your joy. Becomes a real challenge to your joyfulness. Remember what Jesus said about him. He said, look, of all the men born of women, there is none Like John the Baptist. And yet, even John had his days of dark clouds. Beloved, if you are here and you are going through that situation in which you find it so difficult to smile because of what you are going through. May the word of God minister to you this day. Even John went through it. Like I said, John sent to ask Jesus, Are you the one that is to come? Or should we expect another? But you see, John had one issue. John believed so much that he had gone through so much, he had suffered so much, and so he was expecting one thing to happen. And that thing was the retribution of God, the vengeance of God. You see, when you have gone through a lot of suffering in your life, what you want God to do is to come and strike your enemies. You didn't say amen. You know, there are many of us who are going around with a lot of anger. A lot of anger. And, and we are not to be blamed. It's because of what we are going through. Even sometimes as you are sitting here in church, as you are listening to me, you are angry. Because life is not treating you fairly, because people are not treating you fairly. And what you are looking for is the retribution of God, the vengeance of God. To set things right. To vindicate you. And that was John's story. And if you remember even last Sunday when we read. John said look. The axe is already laid to the root of the tree. And he warned the Pharisees. He warned the scribes and so on. He said the axe is laid to the root of the tree. It is going to be cut down. The vengeance of God is going to come upon you. Because you cannot do this to me and continue to go scot-free. Do you know that Ghanaians are angry? Or oh, you don't know? Go and try a litmus test for anger. So anger can be a problem. And sometimes it's a problem in our personal lives. It can be a problem in the society. It can be a problem in your marriage. It can be a problem at your workplace. And you are seething, You are boiling with anger. You sleep and you wake up at 2.30 a.m. You don't know why you've woken up. that is one of the things that militates against our John. And even John, righteous as he was, just as he was, he was waiting for the vengeance of God. And the word of God says that when he sent to Jesus to, to ask him, whether he was the one who is to come, the word of God says, Jesus gave seven responses. Seven points. He said, go back and tell John. The blind see. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The gospel is preached to the poor. And blessed is he who finds in me no cause for stumbling. Amen. Now you see, if you listen to Jesus' response, everything that Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah was going to do was there. The deaf are going to to hear, the blind are going to see. Everything was there except one thing. The vengeance of God was not there. You see, that was John's problem. God was supposed to come and massacre all the evildoers, you know, and so on and so forth. And he was expecting that to come, but it was not coming. And Jesus says to him, but blessed is he who finds in me no cause for stumbling. I know that is what you're looking for. John was expecting that Jesus would come, you know, powerful in might and bring the vengeance of God as he was talking about. It was not coming. And you see, sometimes in our lives, and in our lives as Christians, that is one of the things that we shall be looking for. We are asking ourselves why that is not coming. Why are the wicked prospering and the poor suffering? And if we are not careful, we can begin to be angry and lose our peace because that is what we expect. But you know that the ways of God are different from human ways. Amen. Ways of God are totally different. And you know, when Jesus sent a seven-fold response to Jesus, to, to John, you know that the world was created in how many days? In six days, and on the seventh day, God blessed it. Exactly the response, what Jesus was telling John is that I have done everything perfectly. There is nothing that is left to be done. It's a complete and a total response. Everything has been done. A message that John will have to reflect on. And beloved, sometimes we can be in that situation. You're asking yourself, why why is life treating me so poorly? And so on and so forth. What shall we do in such a circumstance? What shall we do if you are in such a situation? The word of God today, especially from our second reading, the letter of James, teaches us three things to do. When you are in John's situation When there is unresolved Difficulty, when there is unresolved Anger, when you're waiting For the vengeance of God and it does not seem To be coming, there are three things That the letter of James chapter 5 Reading from verse 7 to 10 says that you should do Amen Oh, I didn't hear your amen So there are three things Number one The letter of James says Number one, be patient Be patient. This is the first thing. Be patient. The reason is that God's time is not our time. God works in his own time. In fact, the the, the Greek word for patience which is used, makrothumia, simply means that stay distant away. Stay far away from anger. Because when things are not working, the tendency is to get worked up, your whole system begins to revolt, you are angry, you are not in control. Word of God says, Stay far away from that, be patient, wait on the Lord. That's number one. The first thing to do when you are in a situation like that is to be patient. Number two, the Word of God says, Be steadfast, and in fact when he says be steadfast, it means that be careful in changing your mind. There is an Ignatian principle, the Ignatian retreat, which says that when you are in turmoil, you don't take immediate decisions. Be patient. Now some people immediately there is turmoil, immediately they are, they are angry, they are carried by emotions and they all begin to, to do all kinds of things and say all kinds of things. When you are carried by emotion, you'll make the wrong choice. You'll make the wrong choice. So be patient. And number two, be steadfast. Remain with your God. He will teach you how to act. He'll teach you how to act. The third thing, which is my delight for today, the word of God says, and do not grumble. Do not grumble. Stenazzo is the word to grumble. I remember years ago in the seminary As young seminarians, we used to find cause to grumble about everything. Either there was too much to study or the food in the dining hall was not good enough or this or that, or that person was worrying us. We were always finding something to grumble about. But there was one thing that I noticed. Anytime that you went to your friend to grumble about something and he also grumbled back to you, you were left even more depressed. And it seemed as if one grumble would set up a chain of more grumbling. The first thing I noticed about it. But there is something else that I noticed in the scripture because the word that is used for grumble, stenazo, to grumble, it actually means to grumble or to groan, is the same word, which Paul uses in the letter to the Romans chapter 8, reading from verse 23, when he says that the Spirit grumbles in us.
0: Hallelujah. You
1: remember that passage of Scripture? For the Spirit groans in us with words and signs which we cannot understand. And when I read that passage, I said, oh my God, what is the Word of God saying? It is the spirit that is supposed to groan in you with words and signs that you do not understand in prayer to God so that he will listen to the cry that you are going through. But your grumble silences the grumble of the spirit.
0: Amen.
1: (laughs) You see, there are people who have learned to grumble so loud That when the Spirit is about to intercede for them, God cannot even hear the grumble of the Spirit anymore. Allow the Holy Spirit to groan in you. I have made a pact with God recently that I'm not going to grumble about anything. But whatever my concerns are, I will sit before the Blessed Sacrament and resolve them. It didn't take me quite one week before I started seeing changes. And he said, if I want you to go away from church today, remembering anything. Remember James chapter 5, reading from verses 8 and 9. It says, Do not grumble. And remember Romans chapter 8, reading from 23 and following it says, Let the spirit groan in you let it murmur with your spirit that is the grumble that God hears beloved those are the thoughts I want to leave with you on this third Sunday of Advent because I'm totally convinced that if you do that Your mourning will be turned into dancing. Your joy will be transformed into gladness. Your wilderness will be transformed into watercourses. Because people will see you in the desert and see you smiling. And they will not understand the secret of your joy. But the Christian is the one who laughs and and shouts for joy in the desert. He's the one that is poor, but is filled with joy. He's the one who smiles on the day of retribution. Because it is the spirit that grows in him. And that is my prayer for you, beloved. As we draw close to the season of Christmas as we, as we end the season of Advent next Sunday my prayer for you is that you will find the true sense of joy in the Lord as the Spirit gives you that inner peace that inner joy that surpasses anything that you might be going through once again
0: may god bless you amen